Mark Harlan calls out a report about Utah and the other three corner schools leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big 12. And what is the state of Utah's wide receiver room as we approach spring ball? We're talking about that and more on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is Daisy Wistel, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be discussing Utah's wide receiver room, how they look heading into spring ball. Also talk about some seeding stuff as it pertains to the women's team and the upcoming NCAA tournament. And talking about the men's team, who is now in danger of missing out on the NIT. We're going to talk about if they'll get in or not at the end of the pod. But there's only one place to start, and that is with, of course, University of Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan, who has been really quiet amidst all the noise of conference realignment as that the athletic department should be. They should let, you don't want to talk about anything that's not facts or anything like that. So let the speculation and everything go. And you, but you do want to shut down the things that get out there, right? Like the wild rumors that start to run or anything that get really crazy. That's when you eventually, I think the noise becomes too much. And as much as it's like, ah, oh, let's just stay quiet and everything will figure itself out. I think everyone in that position would get frustrated as it appears Mark Harlan did at some reporting recently by CBS Sports, which by the way, a lot of people have been talking about this. So it's funny that what finally broke it was a CBS Sports. So Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports reported that the Big 12 readies to pounce on the four corner schools as doubt creeps in about the Pac-12's viability at CBSSports.com. So that was a story published by Dodd. And Mark Harlan was not a fan because he tweeted out, give me a break. So that is, <laughs> that kind of shows you where you, if you're a Utah fan, you should be feeling about Utah leaving for the big 12 right now to me. And I'm someone who's been like, oh, I don't know. It could maybe happen. Like it sounds like Utah is as committed to the PAC 12 as ever with a tweet like that. Cause I just can't see why Mark Harlan would tweet that out. And then a month later, Utah would leave and go join the big 12. So to me, that just speaks volumes that this is enough of a thing where it's like, okay, this is getting out of control. This is not true at all. And we've heard, off and on that the Utah has been committed to and as well as the other schools have been pretty committed to the Pac-12. Now I'm sure there's been conversations and things. I think it was last year there was lots of talk about Utah maybe going to join the Big 12 and everything. And as I said, I just I don't doubt that there's been phone calls, but based on a tweet like this from Mark Harlan, I feel like this means Utah is going to stay put in the Pac-12 and it makes a lot of sense. There were commission there was meetings in Las Vegas this past week, or excuse me, currently going on this week, as I guess it's Friday now, but I think earlier, a little bit earlier in the week, there were meetings amongst all the athletic directors and the president, George Goliakoff. When all these conferences come together, it's a great time for the presidents, commissioners, everyone to meet up. And based on Mark Holland's tweet, I got to believe those meetings went exceptionally well if he's going to be talking about and feeling good enough to tweet about something like this, where it's just like, no, that's that's not going to happen. So I, I absolutely believe him when he's talking about this. I definitely think that Utah is going to stay in the Pac-12 now for the little for the short foreseeable future, and I think they're going to work out a deal soon. I just have a hard time believing a month from now Utah is going to be making a major conference change or announcing in 2024 or something like that that they're joining the Big 12 when you got the athletic director shooting down a report about this. And once again, I think, I mean, the athletics been talking about this for a while. There's been a lot of different reporting on this as of recently, so I think it's really interesting that of all times now 
Mark Harlan eventually ends up commenting on it and it just kind of puts it to bed. And maybe that's because as I mentioned that maybe he does feel like things are in a good place. And I think with the PAC 12, I think there's a lot of positives to it of why you would think like, Hey, it gives us the best chance than a lot of these other places right now. So I think it makes a ton of sense for Utah to want to stay in the PAC 12. And this really just seems to kind of confirm it. Mark Harlan tweeting out basically like, Nope, we're done. We're good. We're going to be staying put. And that's just how I take it. I know it's just give me a break, but that's how I, that tweet itself just speaks volumes to me. So I think it means everything. And I think that I look, I'm sure there's going to be other big 12 rumors and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't feel as motivated to talk about Utah going to the big 12 anymore when the athletic director, one of the ones who's directly involved in that kind of a decision is tweeting out that this is ridiculous. We're not leaving for the four corner schools aren't going to be going anywhere. So Whenever the people like the athletic director or anyone involved with the program or as close ties like that speaks, that's when you got to listen because as much as reporters and everyone can get scoops and insights and everything like that, they're all trying to dig the stuff and get the stuff about the decisions being made by people like my heart, Mark Harlan. So when it comes straight from his mouth, straight from his Twitter account, and it's still up, by the way, not like he tweeted this out and then deleted it or anything like you see a lot of guys do now, once again, to me. That just speaks volumes. So I think that Utah will be remaining in the Pac-12. And yeah, I, some people could be like, you're overreacting to a tweet. Well, once again, these athletic directors are very careful with their words. They're not just going to tweet out any random thing. If there was, when there's smoke to the, if there was smoke to this fire, we continue to hear radio silence from Mark Harlan and everyone else involved. So look, maybe there's a chance that like a Colorado would go back to the big 12. I've heard that a little bit sometimes you never know. But as far as it pertains to Utah, I feel like Utah is going to end up staying put and, remaining in the Pac-12 and as I mentioned a large part of the reason for that is this it's also so just just so great always because there are all these random reports and everyone's trying to get the scoop and the insight and everything that's where I think it's so great that Mark Harlan is just a simple give me a break like he's just like I'm done I'm so tired of talking about all these rumors and everything eventually he just couldn't bite his tongue anymore and had to tweet something else and look it made I said it makes a lot of sense because all you continue to hear is this noise and noise and noise and when you actually know what's going on like Mark Harlan does all I can do on this podcast is speculate I can have people on and talk with people who say they're in the know right and because they're reporting i trust them and believe that they are in the know but at the end of the day they're all just trying to get the information that mark and get the information on the discussions that mark harlan is actually involved in on the day-to-day basis so yeah once again i i think this tweet means means everything and i think it is really important and it's really interesting to see now how it's all going to end up shaking out because uh, does this mean we're going to get our media rights deal in the next couple weeks i gotta believe so i thought that would be the case and this kind of a tweet only reaffirms that belief for me. So I, it's going to be fun to watch. And maybe we have to turn on Mark Harlan's notifications now because <laughs> outside of always supporting the athletic department, could be a couple more shots thrown at any, uh, at least what he would deem reporting that is inaccurate by his, in terms of what him and his team and department and all of that are deciding to do. So I think that's the really interesting thing there from Mark Harlan. Also really quick, want to talk about the women's basketball team before we jump into the receivers. The women's team is Right now, they're they're going to get it selection Sunday, right? So that's when we'll find out be a one seed, a two seed, where they're going to land. I've been looking over and really thinking over everything, and just based on what I have seen, I think if Utah had won a couple games in the Pac-12 tournament, they really would have had a chance to solidify themselves as a one seed. But I don't think it's going to be the case. I think we are going to see South Carolina be the number one seed overall in this. UConn just won their conference tournament; they're twenty-eight and five. But once again, when that one extra loss, they're they're conference champions, something Utah, yes, Utah was regular season conference champions, but they're not the, when the tournament is where you put the most stock into. So that's where I think that UConn's got a great shot to go ahead of them. 
Indiana's had an outstanding season. I really like Iowa right now. I know they're another one. They have six losses. Utah just has four. But, man, when you look at what Caitlin Clark's doing right now and everyone on Iowa, I feel like that'll end up being the four seats. It's going to be South Carolina, Iowa, Indiana, and then I'd go UConn. I think Virginia Tech, Stanford, Maryland, and Utah will end up being the two seeds. And LSU's got a shot at that, too. I mean, they are 28-2 overall, but there's LSU's played a, not a tough non-conference schedule at all. So I think that's why you've seen them get knocked a little bit, too. But Either way, I do feel like Utah will end up as a two seed. Would have helped to beat Washington State, but hey, that loss to Washington State isn't bad when Washington State was just so dang hot. They won the whole women's basketball tournament down in Vegas, so I think that's a positive plus for the Utes overall that the team they lost to went on to win the tournament makes that a loss that look a lot better than it would say they had lost and Washington State got blown out the next game or something like that. So either way, I think the women's team will end up being a two seed. I think they personally think they won't get the one seed i would love it if they did end up taking it and i think they have the edge out if it comes down to let's say the committee does maybe there's other reasons they don't like those other teams and it comes down to utah versus stanford i think they would like the fact that utah won the most recent game in that one but look these committee meetings and everything can be really complex and all the rankings and numbers and everything they look at it all gets really mumbled and jumbled but either way i think that the utah women's team is end up is going to end up being the two seed in the or a two seed in the women's basketball tournament. And once again, I still feel like they got a great shot to make a deep run and potentially have a shot at winning the whole thing. Because once again, it always seems crazy, but then every year there's some team that surprises us and puts themselves in the running to the potential to make some noise and make history. So it's gonna be fun to see if Coach Lynn Roberts and her squad will have a chance to do that. Also, shout out to Alyssa Peely. She was named to the finalist for the top player in women's college basketball. So congrats to her, and she has just had an outstanding season. You know who we hope has an outstanding season is the Utah wide receivers in 2023. We're going to preview them as we head into spring ball and talk about what we expect from that group in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. We're past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. This is where the regular season really starts to heat up. Every game matters that much more because... You're only down to the last couple. We're down to that last like 25% of the NBA season. So the players are going extra hard and it's a great opportunity to cash in on these even more competitive NBA games at FanDuel. The NBA, a great place to bet on NBA action because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes drained. You can even do, do things like build your favorite bets throughout the week like a two times three, which is two three-pointers scored in the final three minutes, player props, points, rebounds, assists, so much great stuff, including the money line too. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more, make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Also, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. UCCU is a great reliable source for you guys to go over to and help out every day as dive into content. I just realized I closed out my ad read there. So just letting you guys in the curtain a little bit about why I'm trying to stall right now as I try to find and uh, and pull that back up. But let's talk to you guys now about the new offer from UCCU. UCCU has opened a brand new vanch in Vineyard to celebrate. UCCU is giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terry times four UTV. Also with UCCU, one of the great things that new branch offers is all the benefits of a normal UCCU branch, multiple driver plans, 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's brand new interactive teller machines, or ITM for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection to celebrate with a UCCU enter to win a 2023 Kawasaki Terry times 4 UTV. Winners will be announced in April, but the entry... 
ent- entry deadline is March 31st. Just days left for you to enter to win the 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times 4 UTV. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard to enter. Win at uccu.com. Hurry. You don't want to be a member of UCCU. You don't even have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and there is no purchase necessary. UCCU. Love where you bank. All righty. Jumping back into this one now to look at the state of Utah's wide receiver room. And overall, it's a really talented wide receiver room. I'm going to I'm gonna take the headphones off. I think it's one of those things that I'm so used to having other people on. I need to worry about hearing them. I'm like, ah, I can just roll without them for this episode. So let's talk about this wide receiver room, shall we? So the first thing that's exciting about the wide receiver group this year is that Alvis Witted, the new wide receivers coach. You never know what a new coach, how he wants to change things up a little bit, how his new approach is going to be. So it's going to be fun when we do get the opportunity to talk to the players to hear from them about the changes that Coach Witt it has maybe made the things they're trying to improve on do a little differently so that'll be a lot of fun to see and look as we look ahead to the 2023 season we know who the the top two guys are right when we know one we know who the alpha dog is in the receiver room it's devon Bailey coming back after having his breakout season last year cam's favorite weapon on the outside as it pertains to the receivers i do think his favorite target will be brant keithy now that brant's back as one of the best pass catchers brant is going to go down as one of the pass catchers to ever come through utah with all the records and everything he's going he's he's amassed and all the unbelievable numbers he's put up so yeah devon's going to be the guy as we know i think number two is money parks i think with money and the way he came on late in the season that he had that huge uh, i think it was like a 49 yard catch in the first game against usc and then obviously in the championship game he had that it was a third and 19 he converted and yeah it was some tough tackling by the usc uh or lack thereof tackling i should say i should have said bad tackling by the usc dbs but i think that uh money parks and if he scored the touchdown on that one i think money parks has got the receiver two job pretty much locked up with the strides he made last season is an explosive threat on the outside versus you get Vele, who's like your true number one long lengthy receiver good route runner good job adjusting the balls big catch radius versus money's the guy who can take it off so then you get the battle for the three receiver spot is that going to be emory simmons who's coming over after his breakout season in indiana in which he had over 400 yards he was kind of the first addition that came in under coach witted coach witted recruited him as witted was as simmons was sitting in the transfer portal and now simmons comes in and looks to join him be involved in this program. So I do think Simmons and coach Witted are going to have a pretty good, strong rapport. I think it's the reason that Simmons is there because coach Witted is there before there was the change at Utah receiver coach. Utah was not interested in Simmons. So I think Witted is a big reason why Simmons is there and I expect him to have a nice start on it too. And the other guy's got a great shot is Makai Cope. Cam likes Makai Cope. He, we saw he made that unbelievable catch in spring ball last year. He was targeted a lot when he was in the game, almost came up with some huge grabs throughout the season. There was a big third down against Oregon. I remember that just was a little, it was a low thrown ball. One he should have caught in, but not an easy catch by any means. So I think Makai Cope's another guy too. And we know he has spectacular hands as I highlighted that one catch he made in spring ball. So we know all the great things he can do overall. So those are the four guys that I feel like will end the season from the receiver position with the most catches, but there's always the wild card. Someone who's going to break out or get thrown in that you don't expect last year. That was money parks, right? It was so we looked at and we thought money Makai, like who's going to be the breakout guy. And by the end of the season, because we thought it was going to be Devon and Solomon Enos and Solomon Enos was really an afterthought by the time he got to the end of the season, he was instrumental in blocking, which is what all these receivers are going to have to be able to do because of how much Utah likes to run the rock. They know the expectation, the standard set by coach Witt that he wants from his receivers and coach Ludwig when it comes to blocking on the outside. So I think there's a group of four guys and I'm really interested to see what their role inside the offense is going to look like. The first one being Tyquan Gilmore. Gilmore got a couple carries in the sweep game last year, but overall wasn't a huge factor he was involved in the punt return game a little bit too he went to the college of canyons um from 2019 to 2021 look obviously last year didn't go his way but i think this i think he's a guy who's going to be committed locked in during the offseason working hard and 
he transferred over here to try to help this to get on the field more and help his team win games. And I think he wants to catch balls on the outside. Does who wouldn't when you make a transfer and a switch like this? So I think he. I'm really interested to see how he does during spring ball. Next, I'll go to two big signings from the 2022 class. I think we we're all we're all ooing and aahing over the 2023 class. And there's a guy I'm going to ooh and aah over in a second from that class as an early enrollee. But when you talk about Sid, Sydney and Banasor and Teo Johnson, I mean these are two uber talented recruits. And I got to start with Banasor first because I'm a traits guy. I was a huge fan of DK Metcalf when he was coming out of the draft because you just don't see guys that big, that strong, that fast normally. That's in Banasor. Banasor is 6'5, 216. He played in just two games, and I think he's just got all the traits and tools to be a great receiver. And I trust Coach Witted. I think that he's going, he earned the opportunity to get this job. He has some NFL experience. He has some experience with Wisconsin as well, has produced a few successful receivers. And I think he's going to help get the best out of him, Banasor. And, and Banasor, I think, once again, I think he can be an absolute star. If you unlock, if you can unlock him to his fullest potential, and I have no doubt he's working hard too, and he's going to be ready to go. And that's no slight at Teo Johnson either. I think Teo Johnson could also be in for a big second year as a guy who kind of sat back last year, just kind of had to watch and learn from everyone. But the Twin Falls, Idaho native, six six foot one eighty four. He played in four games overall at the receiver, one on special teams, probably a little more refined as a route runner. He was rated the number two prospect out of Idaho in his recruiting class. So he's a guy with tons of potential to really good route runner. I think he'd be an effective slot receiver for this team. So another interesting piece. And then the last guy we talked about is Mikey Matthews, Mikey Matthews, uh, star receiver coming in for this team. I think he's got a chance to be special. Now, can he be special in season one? That's tough to do, but I remember last year there was a pretty special running back in Jalen Glover who enrolled, and he ended up playing a role in this team's success last season. So can Mikey Matthews be the latest freshman skill position player to make an impact on this team? I think that's absolutely possible and something I'm very curious and interested to watch and see. So lots of – you get Gilmore, the veteran, and then you get three guys in Banasaur, Johnson, and Matthews who I think are all going to have a chance to get on the field at some point and make an impact. As I said, the top four seems like it would be Vele, Park, Simmons, Cope, but – one of these guys is probably going to upset or pass one of those guys if past seasons have taught us anything about this Utah football team. So I, I'm really excited to see who it is. I think the wide receivers, there's a lot of young potential there, and you got a couple reliable players returning. I really like the state and the position that this room is in overall, and it's going to be fun to see how they progress and grow over spring ball and just hear more and get more information on what Coach Witted wants to do with these guys too as he learns what he wants to do inside the system and kind of the tweaks and little changes that he might want to make too. So it's going to be fun to hear about how all that works out. We're going to talk about the men's team and their NIT chances and grade the receivers from last season in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. You're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, and you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then, man, I've just got I've got just the thing for you. you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolutions. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like real candy while only maintaining a, while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better is they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now you can just go to your local Smith's or Sam's Club and pick them up. That's right. Head to your local Smith's or Sam's Club and grab your box of Built bars today. You can get a four box of cookies and cream, coconut puffs, salted caramel brownie, puffs at you near a smith's or if you're close to a sam's club run in and grab a 13 bar box with our hip flavors brownie batter and churro you guys can thank me later make sure you guys head over to smith's sam's club or built.com to get in on those deals from built bar today 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All righty, to close this one out, first let's grade the receivers from, from last year overall. There was a lot of hype and camp talk about how explosive, how much more explosive the Utah offense was going to be, right? And that ended up not being the case, obviously. But still, guys produced. There was a lot of hype around Devon Vele. Devon Vele absolutely produced. Second on his team in receiving. Had over had 695 yards overall. Averaged over 12 yards of reception. Five touchdowns. So Devon, the true alpha on the outside. Then you get a guy in Money Parks who led this team outside of Thomas Yasmin, who really broke out. Tom Yasmin had 13 catches for 301 yards. So he averaged 23 yards a catch, which we know about kind of some of those big plays he makes. And he he is an explosive tight end, but I, I don't expect him to obviously maintain that number. That's a little unrealistic, especially with some of the tackling we saw by USC and kind of Colorado late in the season. But shifting from there, going back to Money Parks, I mean, he had the 15.9 Money Parks has, he could easily be over 16 yards to catch next year because, as I said, he's more of a vertical threat on the outside, a big play guy. So he had 26 catches for 414 yards. Then you get to the other pass catchers. You get guys like Jalen Dixon, 344. Enos had 101. Makai Cope had 75. And those were all the receivers. Those were all the receivers who caught passes for this Utah team. So overall, three for five receivers caught passes. Then you get guys like Mackay Bernard and other guys involved in there. So look, when there was so much hype about how explosive the receivers were, go- the offense was going to be because the receivers on the outside, part of that blame goes on cam, I guess, but I think also part of it goes on. There were a couple times throughout the season. And I really liked Devon. I think he's a, a good number one. He still makes some mistakes of kind of tracking and locating the ball late, late in games a couple of times. There are moments. I think he does a good job of it overall, but he's not one of the best at it. You still see there's moments where it's like, uh, I feel like he could have fought or come down with that 50-50 ball a little bit better. Like I said, just opportunities to grow and get a little bit better there. Makai Cope did disappear from the games at some time and then would make a big play. Jalen Dixon was reliable. Solomon Enos wasn't really a factor, so... I'm once again, as I've done the last few times we've done these shows, I struggle with these grades because I always think like it'll just come to me when I go right into it. And then it never does as we've gone through because we've been, you know, I think we gave the quarterbacks a solid A, I want to say overall Um, running backs gave him a B offensive line was in the B range as well for the receivers. I think a C is too low. So I'm going to go with a B minus. I think a B minus is fair for the receivers. I look at guys like Devon Vele, like Vele is a guy I'd give an A. Money Parks, I'd probably give a A minus to Jalen Dixon, a solid B, maybe, maybe a B minus even. Solomon Enos is in the C range for sure. And then no one, none of the freshman receivers were an impact early on last year. So yeah, I think a B minus is, is fair overall. Like I said, it was kind of an underwhelming year for Utah receivers on the outside, but feel a lot better about this group than I did the group last year. I think last year relying on some veterans versus this year. I expect guys like Makai Cope, who've only continued to grow each year to continue to grow. Devon Vele, there's no reason to think he shouldn't be even better this year after making a huge leap last year. And then you get all the wild cards like a Makai Cope. How's he going to shape up? You get Emery Simmons coming in. And if Simmons doesn't work, all those talented young dudes. So yeah, I think a B minus is fair for last season. And I expect that to be at least a B or a B plus after this the 2023 season. But that's going to be one of the fun things is to watch, see, and track 
how it all plays out. So as we shift off of the wide receivers, we'll now talk about the Utah men's basketball team. And, you know, originally middle of the season, right? The things were really going Utah's way. It was all, will Utah make the, uh, the NCAA tournament? And it seemed like, man, there's a chance you saw him popping up on some things. That Ken Palm ranking was looking pretty, pretty good. And then February happened last year. We talked a lot about the, the winless January the team had. And, uh, while the team didn't go winless in February, and if you Alan, combine March in that as well, the team won two games in February overall and March, like I said, in March combined. And as I'm recording this right now, and you guys will hear it in the next couple hours on this Friday, March 10th, some of you will listen to it March 11th. If you listen to this episode on March 11th, it will officially have been a month since this Utah men's basketball team won a game. So a really disappointing end to the season once that kind of clicked. And yes, the competition got tougher and ramped up, but you were a team that was in the top three for most of the Pac-12 play, especially in January. They, I mean, Utah was as high as two at one point, I believe, maybe even one, as I said on yesterday's show. But either way, and then now, look, you get bounced in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. I know you deal with injuries and everything, but really against the top teams in the Pac, you had one win, and that was back in December on your home floor and everyone else, Oregon. Look at both all the California school or not all the California schools, but the two major ones, USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State. And once again, it's like, I know those are tough teams to beat, but if you want to be considered one of the best teams, you got to get them at least once. And this Utah team just simply didn't do that. And overall in the season, they're now 17 and 15. They're 10. I remember when we were talking about, they were 17 and 11. And it was like, man, I'm so encouraged about this team and the position they're in right now. And then boop, all losses. So 17, 15, 10 and 10 in Pac-12 play. And once again, if you're listening to this on February 11th, it's been a month since the team won to play. So really a disappointing end. I think we talked about the, when I had Josh Newman on a couple of weeks ago, or actually it was a couple, I think it was back in January. We talked about a successful season. I thought was a win or two in the PAC 12 tournament after what they did. And they didn't not, it wasn't like they just lost in a heartbreaker. They just didn't look good against Stanford trailed by as much as 15 in that game. So a really disappointing end of the season once again. So now we shift from NCAA tournament to NIT and look, it's a 32 team tournament overall, but there's also a ton of automatic bids. If you win your regular season in conference, for example, I coming off the big sky tournament this weekend, Eastern Washington did not win the big sky tournament. Eastern Washington won the big sky regular season. They have an automatic bid to the NIT. And as of the time I am recording this, there are up to 16 teams that let's say that if they didn't, they've already either either in the NIT or they're still competing for that chance to win their conference tournament. And then they would get the NCA bid. And obviously they're taking that, but if let's say they lose, they would go. So there's up to 16 teams that could, so over half the field that could be taken by those NIT bids. And once again, because of the position this Utah team is in where they're 17 and 15 on the season, now 10 and 10 in Pac-12 play, it's not like Utah is one of the first four or next four teams out of March Madness of that field of 68. They're way past that. In fact, when you look at those teams that at-large bids or just some of the ones that I looked up, Joe, these are Joe Lenardi's first outrights, outs right now. Oklahoma State, Clemson, Nevada, Wisconsin, Oregon, Vanderbilt. All those Oregon obviously was 2-0 against Utah, too, to make matters worse. So those are the teams like that are first four out that I expect to compete in the NIT. Teams like Michigan and the disaster of a season that's been for North Carolina, who is projected in his uh, last in his next four out. I don't expect them to go in Michigan having a down year too, but even if we look in the PAC 12, I mean, what is the, I know there's when the committee makes these decisions for the NIT, there's the eye test, there's the numbers, there's all these kind of things. Washington state. Yeah. I know they lost two games to Utah, but 
You can look at how good Utah was earlier in the season, and you do have to take into consideration what these teams look like and what they are now. Washington State finished higher than Utah in the Pac-12 standings, has looked better the last month of the season. So I think you give Washington the edge there. Also, how about Stanford? We just saw that game with our own eyes. Which team would you rather put into the NIT? If I was a committee member unbiasedly, I would pick Stanford right now. They just beat Utah, and Utah hasn't looked good. And like we said, it's been a month since they won a game now, so... Yeah, the more I was thinking, I was texting with a friend about this, and we were talking about, like, I was like, oh, yeah, Utah will be in the NIT. And then he he was the one who first said to me, I'm not sure. And as soon as he said, I'm not sure, I started looking into it and research and really think about it more. And I'm like, oh, man, he's right. I, I don't think Utah's going to make the NIT anymore. So really disappointing end to what for, especially, I think November was still a little murky with this team, but December and January were so much fun for this Utah men's basketball program. And then ends on such a stinker once again. So really disappointing end to what was, a, in a lot of ways, a fun season. It was still a step in the right direction. Once again, the Utah team only won 11 games last year. They've won 17 as of right now, and maybe somehow they do get in the NIT and can raise that up a little bit, but still disappointing overall. I think you have to say it is a disappointment for Utah men's basketball, especially, and that won't change if you get into the NIT and get bounced in the first round. I think making the NIT in itself, maybe it's then becomes a win, but it's like if you had told us before the season, you'll make the NIT, but losing the first round, depending on who the opponent is too. I don't know if that is a good thing. So either way, rough way for the Utah men's basketball season to end. But as we talked about early on in this show, it's going to be fun to see what the women's basketball team can do, because I think they have a chance to make a special run and truly achieve some madness in March. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Utes. But as a reminder, we want to thank you for listening to us to making us your first listen every single day. And now we're good for your second listen every day. We recommend you check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. March Madness is here, and you guys can head over and check out Locked On College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shade and Andy Pat bring everything you need to know on and off the court. You can hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape on all the madness that occurs in March. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate you guys for listening to me all week long, as always. Thank you for continuing to support the show as of Right now, I'm recording this. We're at 970 subscribers, 30 away from a thousand. Um, that's insane. Can't thank you all enough for helping us get closer and closer to that. And if you haven't yet, like, comment, subscribe to the show. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments. And can't thank you enough for your support. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend next week on Locked on Utes. We got to finish up with the tight ends in terms of spring ball preview. We'll also talk about the seeding shakeout for the women's basketball team's opponents. Um, if the men's season is officially come to an end, and then we'll turn our attention to spring ball previewing on the defensive side of the ball. That's all next week on Locked on Utes. And thank you again for making us your first listen every single day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.